You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Go with me first to John 16, verse 33. Um, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is that, you know, God's not a sensationalist. Um, that, that's not who God is. That, that's, not, that's not what he's like. And um, so, you know, we don't do things uh, to create some kind of sensational uh, vibe. We do them because they're biblical. Someone say amen. It's not a show. I said it's not a show. Um, it's people standing on the word of God. It's people believing God to be healed. It's serious business, but it's also fun business because of who our God is. Amen? Now, in John 16, it says this, and everything I've taught you, this is Jesus speaking, is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. He didn't say you might. He said you will. And so, you know, guys, we're all human beings, and we're all going to experience stuff. That's what we have in common. We have, we have this thing in common called being a human being and experiencing good times where you're laughing and times where you're crying, times where you're celebrating and times where you're hurting. You know, it's just it's the human experience. But what Jesus is about to say is, is how we face all of that, how we face this life uh, and uh, serving him and counting on him and uh, believing in him. And so he says, for this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous. For I have conquered the world or overcome this world. And so what God wants us to be is he wants us all to have this in common too. We might have sorrows and stuff like that in common, but he also wants us to have this in common, all those that are called by his name, called Christian. He wants us to have this in common, that we're all overcomers. That we overcome. We overcome the pain of loss. We overcome, I mean, we just overcome issues. We overcome bad days, and we, we don't let success ruin us. Uh, and we don't let uh, hurt and pain uh, destroy us or get us down and, and keep us down. We overcome. Everybody say overcome. God wants us to be overcomers. And it's what every Bible uh, person in the Bible, man or woman or child, that, that was one of the great characteristics of the story, stories he tells. When he talks about the, 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 probably the greatest prophet in the entire Bible, other than Jesus, was uh, Elijah. And, you know, jo Elijah had called down fire from heaven and burned up the, the offering to, the, to, to Baal. And, and at, right after that, he thinks everything's going to go his way, and then it doesn't. And Jezebel, uh, it's a foul spirit. It, there's a spirit of Jezebel. Uh, it attacks him, this demonic spirit, through this woman. Uh, uh, Queen Jezebel attacks him, and he's on the run. Listen, there, there's going to be times we're on the run. 
But even in that, God supernaturally moved and protected him and provided his needs and then defended him. And so regardless of where you're at and what you're experiencing, God wants us to have the courage to believe that no matter what happens, that when he said, I'll be with you to the end and that uh, I will never leave you or forsake you, that we believe that. I was meditating on two verses during praise and worship. One where Jesus said, um, you know, that, uh, you know, God's word says it's Jesus. So I always say it's Jesus. But um, it says that if God gave us his only begotten son, Jesus, will he not also give us all other things? Then he says, if I'm for you, who could be against you? And those, those are common scriptures, commonly known in Christian circles. And if you don't know it, it's okay. I didn't know it for a long time either. But, but it's common in Christian circles. But I don't know if we really take time to meditate on what those mean. And really receive that. And just receive it like, oh, okay, you'd give me Jesus. Man, what am I worried about? What am I stressed about? What am I down about? I can trust you that through this circumstance, through this situation, no matter how negative it is, you'll get me through it. You'll help me overcome it. It will not defeat me. I will defeat it. You know, the prophets of Baal uh, that, that offered this offering in front of Elijah that he called down fire on, do you know they wet that thing? They, they poured so much water on that offering that it had a pool of water around it. It was so soaked, you could never in the natural put that thing on fire, ever. You couldn't burn any of it. They covered it with that, and he called, put on more water, pour on more water. Because this is the truth that what is impossible for man is not impossible for God. Again, those are things we need to grab, grab a hold of and say, hold on a second. I've done all I know to do. Man's done all he knows what to do. Man, I got another one. His name is G-O-D, and he's for me. He, he loves me. He cares about me, and I can count on him to heal me. I can count on him to provide. I can count on him to change the situation. No matter how wet it looks, no matter how impossible it looks, Jesus overcame it, and if I stick with him, I will too. If we stick with him, we will too. We, we need to be the type of people that no matter what we're facing, we never give up. The Bible says through faith and endurance, we inherit all the promises of God. Sometimes we have to endure until we see the promise come to pass. What does endurance mean? It's, it's a reflection of how mentally and physically tough we're going to have to be. Endurance takes physical and mental toughness. You know, when I used to run long distances when I was a lot younger and a lot lighter. You know, I, I would push past these thresholds. You know, I'd, my body would say quit, and I, my, but my mind, I'd say, no, I'm not quitting. I'm pushing past this. I'm going to run another five miles. You know, I would make it do what I wanted it to do, even though it, did, it wanted to quit, wanted to give up, and was in pain. I just pushed right on past it. 
That's, that's mental toughness. That's endurance. We need to have that. And the good news is, is that if you'll hang out with Jesus, it will rub off on you. He's an overcomer. He'll make you an overcomer and give you not only the faith, but he'll give you the endurance, the patience to wait on God till you see him move. He'll give it to you if you just hang out with him enough. Well, Pastor Troy, this happened, this happened. I don't understand it. Listen, I don't understand a lot of things that happen. I have a lot of questions for God. But I'll tell you what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to question his faithfulness. I'm not going to question his love for me. I'm not going to question his loyalty. I, I don't know why some things happen to others and don't to others. I don't know why some people succumb to sickness and some people do. I don't understand it all. But this is what I do know. I trust God's integrity. I trust God's word. And I will never give up. I will never quit. And I'll never stop believing that Jesus is the healer. I won't do it. Why? Because there's too much at stake. I said there's too much at stake. Go with me to Colossians, if you will. I'm just laying some groundwork. I'm going to preach on healing here in just a moment and just talk about uh, some things I've talked about in the past um, that make a huge difference on people receiving and not receiving healing. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. I want to point some things out to you about Jesus and what he's done and and uh, so in verse 15, it says this, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. Of how many of the powers and principalities? All of them. All of them. All of them. Every single one of them. He made a public spectacle of them. Of all of them. Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. They were his. He led them around. He overcame them. He, he put them under his feet. He, he established his authority over every principality and power, every Thing from the kingdom of darkness, Jesus is, has authority over. They're his prisoners. And guess what? We're with him. We're seated in heavenly places right next to Christ Jesus. How did that happen? Jesus made that happen because he loves us. He opened a door for us to sit and, and be in the presence of a holy God, even though we're not holy but his blood, his sacrifice, him being raised from the dead, and he overcame the power of sin and death, so now we have access to the holy of holies. We have access. He's made us holy. He's made us righteous in God's eyes. And because of that, there's nothing he will withhold from us, including healing. I said including healing. Now, you might ask yourself, you know, why isn't everybody healed? And we're, we're going to talk about that, but let's, let's first look at this. Uh, go with me to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at several scriptures tonight, as we always do. It's the Word, it's the Word, it's the Word. It's not my Word, it's not your Word, it's God's Word that we count on. 
Amen. That's what we need to know. It's his word that's alive and powerful and working and moving. Mark chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says this. Later, Jesus and his disciples went to have a meal with Levi. Among the guests in Levi's house were many tax collectors and notable sinners sharing a meal with Jesus, for there were many kinds of people who followed him. But when the religious scholars and the Pharisees found out that Jesus was keeping company and dining with sinners and tax collectors, they were indignant. So they approached Jesus' disciples and said to them, Why is it that someone like Jesus defiles himself by eating with sinners and tax collectors? You know, when people call us church on the run and cult on the move, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. That's what they did. They mocked Jesus. Why? Because sinners come here. But sinners don't stay sinners. They get forgiven of their sins. And they become saints. And it changes their life. And Jesus hung out with this same crowd. You know who it was? Me and you. It was us. And then he said in verse 17, but when Jesus overheard their complaint, he said to them, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? This is when Jesus says, I'm a physician. I'm a doctor. He's Dr. Jesus. And the word physician, which is used here, is closely associated with the word physical, which means a physician, and we have some that come to our church and a lot of people in the medical profession here, that means someone skilled in treating the physical body. The difference between Jesus and and medical uh, human beings that operate in the medical field is Jesus is not only skilled in treating the physical body, he's skilled in treating the mind, the soul, and he's skilled in treating the spirit, He's skilled in all of those. And he calls himself a physician, a doctor. And he says, uh, who goes to doctors, those who are well or those who are sick? Have I not come to call the righteous? But to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who are sinners and bring them to repentance. He's saying, if you think you're right with God and you're perfect, I didn't come for you. I came for those who realize they're not perfect. Now, why am I talking about this? We'll find out here in just a moment. Well, I'm talking about not being perfect. Because sometimes, because we think we're not perfect, we don't receive what God has for us. But Jesus said, I didn't come for the perfect. I qualify. What do I qualify for? Everything that Jesus has. What do you qualify for? Everything that Jesus has. Can I tell you something? You've been bad enough. You've been bad enough to receive God's grace. You've been bad enough to receive his forgiveness. You've been bad enough to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You've been bad enough to receive every gift that he has for you and every promise he's made. Because he said, I came for those who are sick. And he wasn't going to leave you sick. He wants to heal you. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. He wants to heal us. If I asked you, you know, does Jesus care about your spirit, what would you say? Does Jesus care about your spirit? Does he care about your soul? And people receive forgiveness of sins and receive the Holy Spirit and receive salvation so easily. 
they receive healing of their mind by renewing their mind with the word of God so easily. But then there's this physical part of us, the body. And people don't receive healing as easily as they do salvation. But you believe he cares about your spirit and your soul. So here's my next question. Does he care about your body? And that's, that's the question we really have to answer. Does Jesus care about my physical body? And if he does, then guess what? Just like he saved my spirit and he's renewing my soul, then he's also, if he's willing to do that, he's also willing to heal my body. He's willing to heal my spirit. He's willing to heal my mind. He also is willing to heal my body. And we need to receive that. I said we need to receive that. Just like we receive salvation. It's always crazy to me that people would, they believe that Jesus who they never saw died for their sins and rose from the dead and is alive in heaven, and that if you ask him to be the Lord of your life from your heart out of your mouth, that he will save you, and that the Holy Spirit will come dwell inside of you, and that you're going to go to this place called heaven you've never seen. But people can't receive healing, or don't. I don't know. If you really think about the stretch it takes, we see healing all the time, because God heals naturally and medically. He heals naturally and medically all the time. How do I know that? Well, I'll ask you a few questions. How many of you ever had stitches? You got healed naturally and medically. How many of you ever had a minor surgery? You got healed medically and naturally. Some had a major. How many of you had a major surgery? Got to heal you. Naturally and medically, God's given people, he's given us wisdom and creativity, and we use that wisdom and that creativity and that cooperates with the natural body to bring about healing. That should tell us right there that God would enable human beings and put it in our bodies to receive healing naturally. How many of you have ever had a cut that healed all on its own? All of us. Is that not speaking loudly to us that it's my will that you're healed? It's so much my will that I've not only created natural things in your body, natural immunities, natural ability to heal, but I've also given men and women wisdom medically to cooperate with the body to heal you. But he doesn't just heal naturally and medically. He also heals miraculously. And he wants to do that too. When the natural body and man's wisdom and creativity and ability are not enough, we need Jesus. We need Dr. Jesus to come in. Man, when you need, it's like the doctors do all they can and then they say, you know what, we got to call the specialist. You need a specialist. Because I've done all I can. Dr. Jules sitting here, he's an MD. He, he does all he can, and then when you can't do any more, you call, you send him to a specialist. And when that guy's done all he can, or that lady, and they've done all they can, then guess what? 
We need to start relying upon Jesus, the great physician. You know why he's the great physician? Because he created the body. There's not a, there's not a man and woman, a doctor anywhere, uh, any time that was part of that creation. He knows every intricate detail. He's the most skilled physician ever. And guess what? He's the same physician he was yesterday as he is today, and he will be tomorrow. You know, some people, there's this false teaching. There's so much false teaching about healing. Why? Because people die, and things happen, and, and things take place, and we think, well, you know, God really doesn't want to heal. He really doesn't want to do this, and we get so caught up in that that we kind of throw in the towel. It's so easy to throw in the towel. But it's amazing to me we don't throw in the towel in our natural body. We don't throw in the towel on, on people who operate in the medical profession. We just throw the towel on, on Jesus. He's the only one we give up on. Why? Why would we give up on him? Why would we do that? And because people have given up, they do all this, they, they teach all these false thoughts. Like, okay, Jesus only healed when he was on the earth. Really? So he only healed for three years? What happened in Exodus when he said, uh, um, I am the Lord God, your healer? What happened when he healed the, the soldier, uh, the, the Palestinian soldier, the general? When he healed him, when he dipped 10 times in the Jordan River, was he not the healer then? What happened when, when a, uh, I was preaching at Legacy? And man, I, I, uh, I was preaching a message very similar to this that where I'm going to get to. And this young lady who I'd met her parents years before, they were jump rope uh, artists. They performed all around the world, and she was phenomenal, phenomenal. But she was 18, and it blown out. I mean, her back was shot, so shot at, I, she wasn't even 18. She's probably about 16. Her back was so shot that the doctor said, I can do nothing for you, nothing. There's not a surgery that will help you. There's nothing. You're going to live like this the rest of your life. And she was in so much pain, she would sleep in her parents' bed and just weep all night long. For every day, every night, she was in that much pain. So they medicated her to kill the pain, and now she's loopy all the time. Well, that wasn't working. So she, she's like, I can't, I can't get, this is a, she's 16. This is an ugly cycle to be in, either constant pain or I'm drugged out of my mind. What kind of life is that? And she heard me preach a message like this. And her parents said, will you please lay hands on her and pray for her? And the same Jesus that healed that we're going to talk about is the same Jesus that showed up, and we prayed for her. I laid hands on her and prayed for her. And Jesus healed her right then. I mean, instantly. And after I prayed for her, she said, oh, my gosh. It was like fire shot up in my bones. And she's walking, and I said, I said what, can, what couldn't you do before? Do something. And I thought she was going to like, bend over, or, you know, she's real athletic, she was a gymnast, I thought she might do something like that, no, she throws a backflip, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> on cement, and she hits, boom, and I thought, oh no, 
That was not smart. And her parents gasped. They, get, they went, oh, because they seen the pain that she's been in for months. And they gasped when she did it like, are you crazy? And she hit the ground and looked up. And she just broke crying. And we're like, oh, my gosh, is she in pain? What's up? And she said, I'm not in pain. I'm healed. And I ate dinner with her about a year or so ago. And, I, and she said, you know who I am, don't you? I said, yeah, I know who you are. I said, I've been wanting to ask you for years. How do you feel? She goes, Pastor Troy, I haven't had one pain. She said, I'm back performing. I'm back performing. I, she said, I'm better than I've ever been. Married, had kids. I mean, she, she's, back, she's back doing her thing. She said, from that night forward, from that night forward, no one's going to tell me Jesus isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. I watched it. I, that's not the only one I've seen. I've seen Time. There was a cripple. The next night I was preaching at the main campus. He was in a, he was in a wheelchair. Something had attacked his body. And, and a very healthy young man within months was crippled. Couldn't walk. Couldn't move his legs. And he had left the service. And, I, and someone had told me about him. I said, go get him out of the parking lot. He was driving away. They waved him down. Got him out of the vehicle. And wheeled him up on the platform. And we prayed for him. He pushed that, he pushed that wheelchair out of the church, not leaning on it. He, he wheeled it out. He couldn't walk. Guys, I've seen it. My pastor, I've seen him healed three times from cancer, covered in cancer. I've seen Jesus heal him three times. You're not going to tell me he's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not going to tell me he's not the great physician, that he's better than any human being. Do we still use natural things and medical things? Absolutely. We're not stupid. Wisdom and faith aren't enemies. Wisdom and faith are partners. As long as you keep your faith in God and not man. But what's happened is in our nation, especially in the Western world, but especially in America, because we're the most medicated, drugged up people in all the world. We have gotten so intelligent about medical, and we, we're also the greatest doctors, and we've created more inventions and come up with more cures and stuff than you could ever imagine. And, but we've become so intelligent, we've lost our faith. And we rely on our intelligence. And we rely on the wisdom of men. Because we have hospitals and clinics and great talented people in those places. And again, it's not that we don't go there. It's not that we don't treat things. It's not that we don't use the wisdom that God has given them and given us. But our faith has shifted. And that's why we don't see what I see at different places. When I go to Mexico or some places where they don't have the kind of medical care. And some are so poor they can't pay for it or can't get it. Uh, and man, they have a faith in God because that's all they can rely on. There was a man that he had taken three AIDS tests in Africa when I was there. And guys, and when I was in South Africa, it was the height of AIDS. And I, we're driving down this main thoroughfare in Johannesburg, South Africa. And there was, we had to stop like every five minutes for a funeral procession. I finally said, hey, what is up? Why are all these people dying? He said, AIDS. I'm not kidding you. That's not an exaggeration. Every few minutes, about five minutes, we had to stop for a funeral procession. It was one after another. It took us 
probably double, triple the time to get to where we were going because of all the funerals crossing. It was just one after another after another. And he'd gone and got three AIDS tests. All of them came back. He had AIDS. And he heard about this meeting we were doing in South Africa at an old soccer stadium, and he showed up. He wasn't a Christian. I said he wasn't a Christian. And he came and said, will you pray for me? And I laid hands on him, and we prayed for him. And he came back a couple nights later. And I'm looking at him, and he's staring at me, and I'm, I'm like, okay, what's up? You know? I didn't know he wasn't a Christian, by the way. I did not know he wasn't a Christian. I, I thought because he, answered, he came up to the altar call, he was a, he'd be given his heart to Jesus or was a Christian. He wasn't. A couple days later, I saw him. And he, uh, he was just staring at me. So I went, I said, hey, I remember you. He said, you do? I said, yeah. Because we'd prayed for a ton of people with AIDS that night. Tons, bunch of them. He said, well, I've got, I've got something I want to tell you. I'm like, okay, I hope this is good news. He said, I went and took another test. He said, I would have been here a couple days ago, but that test came back that I didn't have AIDS, and I didn't trust it. So I took another one, negative. So I took another one, negative. He said, I've taken five or six tests in the last two days. I keep going back, and there's like, you don't have AIDS. He goes, but just the same clinics, all three of them, three different tests all said I had AIDS. He said, now I don't have AIDS. I don't have AIDS. And he said, I want to I give my heart to Jesus. And he gave his heart to Jesus right then. These aren't fairy tales. These aren't fairy tales. These hap- this happened. I witnessed it. I've witnessed it time and time again. Why would Jesus heal an unbeliever when we see believers dying? Sometimes it's a matter of receiving, getting out of your own way. We have a great example of this. We have a tremendous example of this. You're in Mark 1 or Mark 2. Go to Mark 1. We have have everything we need in this one story. Mark chapter 1. Let's start reading verse 38. Jesus replied, we have to go on to the surrounding villages so that I can give my message to the people there, for that is my mission. So we went throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in Jewish synagogues and casting out demons. On one occasion, a leper came and threw himself down in front of Jesus, pleading for his healing, saying, you have the power to heal me right now if only you really want to. Well, how did he know he had the power to heal him? Because just a few verses before, he witnessed Jesus heal hundreds of people. Not one, hundreds. So he's saying, Jesus, I know you're able. I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you're willing to heal me. Isn't that the question we all ask? It's not a matter of his ability. And we'll believe he'll heal so-and-so. But the question always comes down, will you heal me? Now, why would he ask that question like that? My thought is, is that, you know, when you got leprosy, you, you, you were believed to be cursed. And he probably looked at his life and said, yeah, I sinned here and I sinned here. And 
I messed up over here and I sinned over here and yeah, I'm a bad dude, man. I'm a bad person. And I have leprosy. So he goes to Jesus and he thinks all these other people he healed are better than me. They deserve it. I don't. I know very few people. I know very few people, just maybe some self-righteous people that would say, I deserve to be healed and they don't. Most people think, man, they probably deserve it. I'm, I don't read my Bible every day. I'm not perfect. I, I, I've, I've messed up. I've sinned. and Man, I have some troubling habits and I have stuff. Man, I just have stuff. And Yeah, they probably deserve it. I probably don't. That's this man. I've done stuff. Jesus, I saw you healed hundreds before, but I've done stuff. I don't know if you want to heal me because I've done stuff. What did I say? You're bad enough to get saved and you're bad enough to get healed because he came for the sick, not the healthy. He came for those who know they're not righteous to make us righteous. But so often we beat ourselves up thinking, well, it's not happening because I'm, it's me. I know what I've done. And that's exactly what this guy's saying to Jesus. I know what I've done and I know what, I've seen what you've done for these other people, but they're probably a lot better Christians than me. They're probably better Jews. They're just probably better people. You know, I'm cursed with leprosy. I probably don't deserve it. Can I say something to you? We don't deserve salvation. It's called grace. He gives it to us anyway. He gives us what we don't deserve. The Bible says you, you get saved by grace through faith. What does it mean by grace? By, it's a gift from God that we believe in the gift. And you get healed the same way. By grace through faith. It's a gift from God. You and I don't deserve, you know, we deserve sin and death. But God, that's what I love him. He don't give me what I deserve. He doesn't want to give you what you deserve. He wants to give you what you don't deserve because that's who he is. You just got to believe it. You just got to believe that he'll give you what you don't deserve. This man's asking him, I don't deserve this, Lord but I know you can. And then Jesus, it says, being deeply moved with tender, what? What's the word? Compassion. Can I tell you why Jesus is the great physician? Because of this scripture right here. And the scripture is just like it. It says he was moved with compassion and healed all. Everybody say all. All the sick. Can I tell you what I was preaching about in legacy? When not just that person, last time I preached there a few months ago, a lady caught me in the foyer that had cancer. I prayed till three in the morning one night. Not doing that tonight. It's not going to be needed. But I, she waited. till She was sick. She had bad cancer, stage four cancer. And she was going to leave because she was in the back of the line. But she said, if I've sat in doctor's offices for hours and hours and hours waiting... Why would I not wait for Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because we believe more in doctors, man, than we do in God. 
And I love our physicians. I love people in the medical profession. But I, I love God more than them. You'll wait for two hours and, and, be, and be the doctor so far back. I mean, you'll wait 10 hours. You'll wait there all day to get that appointment. What are you willing to wait on God for? He, he said he was moved with compassion. He loves you. That's the message. He loves you. So the guy said, I know all these people are better than me. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, man, I'm a messed up dude, and I got leprosy, and I, I was a messed up sinner, and I know I don't deserve it, but do you want to? But do you want to? He's asking, are you willing? What's your will here? I know you can because I've witnessed it. Are you willing to heal? He didn't ask for anybody else. He said, are you willing to heal me? Knowing what I've been like. He's the same God that loves this man that loves you tonight. Listen, you'll only receive your healing when you fully embrace this one thought. He loves you. That's it. I have faith in God's love that he gives me what I don't deserve. Do you? Do you have faith that he loves you? Listen to what he says. He's moved with tender compassion. Jesus reached out and touched the skin of the leper. Another word for touched is hugged. He hugged him. Can I tell you how the significance of that? Because in the Old Testament, if you touched anybody unclean, it made you unclean. You touched any dead body, you were unclean. You had to go out of the camp for three days and wash and stay away from people. All this, they had all these rules on unclean, 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 because the unclean would make the clean unclean. Oh, I love this thought. I heard this, heard this thought. I think it's a tremendous thought. Here's the thought. That, that was the Old Testament. The unclean made the clean unclean. But in the New Testament, King Jesus, the clean makes the unclean clean. The clean makes the unclean clean. That's why he says when you call the elders of the church and you pray for the sick. He said, pray in faith. And he said, if they've committed any sins, they will be forgiven. The, the clean Jesus, the holy Jesus who knows no sin makes sinners the unclean clean. He makes, instead of him getting sick by hugging that leper and being unclean, he made the leper clean. All because he was moved with compassion, with love. All because of love. Touched the skin of the leper and told him, of course I want you to be healed. He asked the question someone asked, God, I know you're able. I don't know if you're willing. And God's saying, Jesus is making very clear. I like the Passion Translation. Of course. Of course. Of course I want to. Of course I want to. Of course I want to. 
His answer to you is, of course. Of course I want to. Oh man, someone needs to get that. Of course I want you to be healed. So now be cleansed. Instantly his leprous sores completely disappeared and his skin became smooth. People teach this false doctrine that he did those things in order for everybody to believe he was the son of God. Can I tell you something? (laughs) When the religious people asked for a sign like that, he said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Otherwise, I'm going to be dead for three days. I'm coming out of that grave alive. Just like Jonah was in that fish for three days. He said, that's the only sign you're going to get. He didn't heal the sick. He didn't heal the sick to prove that he was Jesus. He knew he was Jesus. He he don't prove he's Jesus. When they asked him to prove it, he said no. That's why I said he's not a sensationalist. He didn't do this to prove. Matter of fact, he tells this guy, don't go tell anybody. Why would he tell them that? He told the other people the same thing. He told them that because it wasn't his time. It's just like we talked about the miracle of the wine. He said, don't, I don't want anybody to know. I can't do it your way, mom. I got to do it my way because I don't want anybody to know. Why? Because he knew that jealousy and envy would be the reason that they came to arrest him and it wasn't his time. But this guy didn't listen. He went and told everybody. I wouldn't listen either. I'd go tell everybody too. I'm healed. Jesus healed me. I hope tonight that the question of why is he the physician is because he loves you. Why does he want to heal you? Because that's his will. He wants you to be healed. But this is what he says in Peter. He said, it's my desire, my will that all people get saved. But everybody didn't get saved either. Why? Because so many people have talked themselves out. They're too smart to get saved. Some people are too smart to get healed. They're too caught up in all the doubts and the fears and maybe not me and the, you know, and the medical stuff and uh, all the news, the good news, the bad news, the ups and downs of, of, of sickness and disease to just say, God, I believe I'm going to do what wisdom says, but I'm also going to put my faith in you because I believe you give me what I don't deserve. You give me grace and I believe in your grace. I believe that you love me. I believe you give us stuff that we don't deserve. And I know I'm bad enough to get saved. I'm bad enough to get healed. I, I, you came for the sick. You came to heal the sick. And I'm going to receive it. I invited, I had personally asked people to call and invite people to come. My wife was out of town helping my boys move to Lubbock and I said, baby, please. You know, I'm I'm praying for people to be healed tonight. If you're watching online, it it doesn't matter where you are. But I sensed, I told my wife, I sensed, and I told the guys in the back room before we prayed, I sensed the same anointing that I did at Legacy for those two nights I preached on Tuesday and Wednesday night. I sensed the same anointing back there before I ever came out, before I ever prayed, and I sensed it. I sensed it in this room. It's that same anointing. Why? Because... God is, he's removed a lot of doubt and unbelief and a lot of disunity and he's bringing unity and he's, he's doing something and he, he's going to do something. He's doing something and he's going to do something. And I don't want you to be moved by anything you see. We're not moved by what we see. We moved, we're moved by what God promises
I want to do this before I have a, I asked the praise and worship team to learn a song I heard. And uh, we're going to have them sing it in just a moment. But before we do that, it's about healing. Before we do that, I want to ask you just to close your eyes for a minute. Listen, maybe you realize here or online that you've been bad enough. And you might wonder, I, I had someone tell me the other day, I, I've heard this many times, and I used to feel this exact same way that, man, I can't, I can't go to God. He'll, he'll zap me like a lightning bolt. I've done so many bad things. Maybe, maybe there's someone online and, and people in here that you think, man, I've done too much. He came for you. I used to think the exact same thing. He came for me. He came for you. He came to save you. He came to forgive you. Why? Why did he do it? Because he loves you. He wants to know if you believe that he loves you that much. That he would forgive you. And he would cleanse you. He would take your uncleanness and cleanse you just like he did me and remove all unrighteousness and and begin to strip away all the things between you and God that we built, not God. God didn't build it. Our sins built it. He begins to strip it away. He tears it down. That wall, he tears it down and he saves our lives and forgives our sins and then teaches us how to live right, not perfect, but right. And how to overcome. So whether you're online or here right now, and you're not right with God and you know it, I've got good news. He came for you. Because those who don't think it, they're the ones in real trouble. They think they're better than us. More righteous. If that's you, and whether you've never prayed, or you've just run away from God and you just need to come home. You just, you know you need him. You know you need his forgiveness. You want to go to heaven. You want to know him. You want to serve him. Listen, he asked that we, he gave his life for us. He's saying, I've done it. I gave my life for you. Will you give me? He gave his holy life for our sins. He said, will you give me your sins so I can teach you to be holy? I'll clean you. I'll help you. But you got to mean business. And you've got to, the way I gave my whole life, you've got to give yours. Like I said, he doesn't expect perfection, but he, he expects us to be moving forward, and running to him. So, man, if you need to run to him tonight, let's pray right now. Online, if, if that's you and you're not right with God and you know it, It's only those who know it. It's what he said. Only those who know it. I came for them that know it. I came to make them worthy. Because they know they're unworthy. If if that's you online, send us a text right now. Say, I'm praying tonight. 
for the first time or the next time to get right with God. And in this room, on the count of three, I'm asking you to raise your hand up and, and say, I need to pray and get right with God. Online, go ahead and send that. In this room, I'm going to count to three. When I do, just lift your hand up and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. Then put it down. And right where you're at, we're going to pray. Right where you're at online, right where you're at in this room, right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Just put your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right. I need to get right with God. Thank you. Golly, all over this room. Thank you. Let's pray right now, church. Let's pray with them. And then we're going to have... We're going to have the praise and worship team sing this song. And then we're going to, as a church family, we're going to reach out to those that want to be prayed for that are sick. And we're going to believe God for miracles. He heals naturally and medically, but he also heals miraculously. We're going to believe him for miracles. So those who raised your hand and those who didn't, uh, the rest of us that already know the Lord, let's pray with them that raised their hand. Say this together. And online, say the same thing. Say, God... I believe that you love me. And that's why you died for my sins. That's why you defeated sin and death to save my life because you love me. And I believe that. I believed that you were raised from the dead. You're alive, Jesus. And because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive forgiveness for all of it right now. I receive your Holy Spirit right now. I receive your righteousness right now. And Jesus, I say to you, my life is no longer my own. I give it to you as you gave your life for me. And I say to you, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. Thank you now for saving me and restoring me. Teach me now how to live for you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.